All right, so we're continuing in our series that we began last week, The Signs of Life, Marks of Authentic Christianity. And uh, last week, as we began, we talked about uh, the very first sign of life, the very first mark of authentic Christianity that really is the foundation for everything else, that you have to have the first sign of life present, the first mark of authentic Christianity present for anything else to be able to be true of you, and that is a new heart and a new life. You have to have a new heart and a new life given to you through Christ uh, before you're really able to do any of the other things that mark a true Christian life. Uh, that's the, the first and most important thing. That's paramount. It's foundational. And uh, last week as we began the opening verse of Scripture that we looked at to kind of frame everything uh, was Matthew 7.21. And that says this, Jesus himself saying, "...not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but..." only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. We said that it's really easy to say the right thing, and you can convince all kinds of other people that you're right with God, you have a right relationship with Him, that you are a true Christian. You can even convince yourself. But we talked about the fact that really actions do speak louder than words, and the lifestyle is what will prove your words as being true, the way you live your life will show that it's not just all talk, that you truly do have new life in you and a new heart. And as we jump into the the second part of the series, and we're talking about love for God and His Word, that's that's the next sign of life that we're going to be talking about, the next mark of authentic Christianity, love for God and His Word. That, too, is dependent on what we talked about last week, having a new heart and a new life. If you don't have a new heart and a new life given to you and found in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be able to have a true love for God, and you're not going to have a love for His Word. It's just impossible. Uh, The unbeliever cannot comprehend the things of God, Paul says in Corinthians. Those outside of Christ aren't going to have a desire and a love for His Word. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to be there. So to have a love for God, a real abiding love for God and His Word, you have to have a new heart and a new life from Him, given to us through Christ, maintained by the Holy Spirit. And it goes a little deeper than that, too. Uh, if, we're, if we're really to know what God's will is, and we're to walk in His will, which Jesus Himself, in the verse I just read and what we looked at last week, in what Jesus himself said is a prerequisite for really being one of his. You have to walk in the will of the Father. You have to do the will of the Father to be identified as one who is in Christ. That's straight from the mouth of our Savior. Then what that means is you have to dive into God's Word before you can walk in God's will. That's the truth we need to understand and remember. If we're, to, if we're to walk in God's will and the Father's will as a sign of us being truly His child, and if we're to understand what that will looks like, there's only one place to find it. It's in the Word of God. That's where you uncover and discern and discover what the will of God is, and that's what then enables you to walk in that will. So you have to dive into God's Word before you can walk in God's will. 
And there's a, another reality that we have to understand. As we're, as we're digging into God's Word and as we're, we're learning about Him and about ourselves, because that's what God's Word does, it shows us everything about Him. It reveals all that He is. It's His character. It's His essence. It's His nature. It's His desire. It's, it's what He wants for us. And then it shows us who we are. It's a great mirror for our lives. It shows us where we're lacking. And it points us to Him and shows us where we can find everything we need in Him. That's what the Word of God does. And as we're doing that, as we're diving into God's Word, as we're learning about His will, and as we seek to walk in it, we're going to find out something else that's true. It's an even deeper reality, and that's this. Loving God equals loving the Word of God. Loving God equals loving the Word of God. You can't love God but not love His Word. It's just, it's not compatible. It's like saying, I love pizza, but I hate sauce and cheese. I mean, you don't love pizza then, right? It's like saying, I love sci-fi, but I hate Star Wars. Impossible. If you love sci-fi, you're going to love Star Wars. I would venture if you love movies at all, you're going to love Star Wars. Um, you know, it, it, there's just certain things that, that must go together, uh, and that if, if you don't have both, then you really don't have either one. You can't say, oh, I love God. Yeah, he's my everything. But man, I just really can't get that excited about his word. I, I just really, I don't really have much use for his word. Well, then you don't love him. It, it's totally incompatible. Um, you guys, I want you to think back to when... Uh, you were dating that special someone. Hopefully that special someone you're thinking of is your spouse. And, you know, everything was fresh and new and exciting. And, um, and if you were privileged like I was to have uh, married your high school sweetheart, uh, you can look back and think of those times where those notes were written. You know, those sappy, sweet, lovey-dovey notes and, and you just, and for those of you who are really, really young, that's before the days of texting. Okay. We didn't have phones that texted. Uh, that was not a reality at all. So we had to text by writing out notes. That was our texting. Okay. And, and you waited until you saw that person in the hall. And you, it was like you were doing a drop, you know. It was like you were a secret agent or something doing, doing a drop. So you, you waited and you kind of just slipped the note in the hand and walked away really quickly, you know. Or you, 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 snuck it, you snuck it in the locker, you know, looking around. And, and you took all the time that you were supposed to be putting into uh, math or history, and, and you, were, you were focusing on what you were going to say. You were going to pour out your heart in that note, and you, you didn't really get everything you were supposed to in West Virginia history, uh, you know, or, or algebra, or speech, or English, because you were just so focused on the one who had your heart, and you put everything into that note. Oh, you're my everything. Oh, I would be lost without you, and on and on and on. You know, and you just couldn't wait to open that, that note up and read it, and you hung on every word, not because the words themselves were necessarily so special and so powerful, but because the person behind those words, they were just so special to you. They were everything to you. And you saw in the note... You saw a glimpse of them and how they felt about you, 
right? And that's why those notes were so precious. That's why if you were gone from one another um, on a trip or something, you just you couldn't wait to, to get a letter in the mail. Uh, we went to camp uh, back in the day, you know, teen camp, and, and um, you always hoped that there would be mail call and that while you were at camp, you'd get a, a love letter from your loved one. And uh, it's kind of sad as you get older, that ceases to be parents more and more, and it starts to become that special, significant one, right? And, and you're just you're waiting to hear from them, and you, you pour over the, the note, and you read it, and reread it, and reread it, and then you even put it in a box somewhere, and you save it. We still have boxes of our, of our notes to each other. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? There we go. Because, why? The person you love is, is wrapped up in that letter or that note. And you're seeing them through the writing. Uh, my friends, that's, that's how it needs to be in our minds as believers as we go to the Word of God. We need to understand what makes the Word of God precious isn't just the, the actual words. It's, it's not the letters. It's not the sentence structure. It's not the mechanics of it. It's the fact that the Word of God that we have, the 66 books contained in what we call the Bible, it is the very Word of the living God. And, and it is the owner's manual, as the safe house guys know so well and refer to it, because it, it does direct you in everything in life. It, it tells you, here's what I want for you in your life. This is, this is my plan for you. This is how to go about life. And so in that sense, it really is the owner's manual. But it's more than just the owner's manual. It's the autobiography of the author of all life. And more than that, it's a love letter from the author of life to you and me, to the people that he loves, even though we don't deserve his love. It's a grand, great, majestic love letter from our maker to us. And so we very much should be eager to pour into it and open it up and hang on every word because every word is life and love for us. It's, it's far more precious than anything else that we could ever know or ever have. And it needs to be something that we love more and more and more as we go on in our life, walking with Christ as one who is truly His. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 23 through 24, and, and it really just shows you how true it is. It's just absolutely crystal clear that loving God really does equal loving the Word of God, and you can't love God but not love His Word. Here's what He said. The living Word Himself says this. Jesus answered, and this was to one of His disciples that asked Him, um, why are you revealing yourself just to us and not to the whole world? Why, why are you specifically showing yourself and declaring yourself who you are to us and not everybody? And Jesus says this, verse 23, Jesus answered, if anyone loves Me, he will keep My Word. And certainly that implies obedience to His Word, you know, being obedient to the Word, but it goes beyond that. When, he, when Jesus says, He will keep My Word, the one that loves Me will keep My Word, He's saying, the one who loves Me will see My Word as precious. The one who loves Me will value My Word. The one who loves Me will be faithful 
to my word. He will treasure my word. That's really what, what Jesus is saying here by keeping the word. It goes beyond just obedience. It's not just this empty ritual or, or duty or obligation. It goes beyond that to, to something that I keep because it's dear to me, it's precious to me, like that love note, that love letter. I keep it. It's, it's precious. I cherish it because I cherish the one behind it, right? So if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we, the divine Father and Son, will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me, here's a contrast, the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. They won't be obedient to it. They won't be faithful to it. They won't cherish or treasure it. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. So what that tells us, church, is that one of the major signs of true spiritual life, one of the most important marks of authentic Christianity is a hunger and a love for God's Word. And that must be true of you if you are truly a believer. You, you have to, at some point in your, your spiritual life, in your walk with Christ, you have to, at some point, have a desire, a love, a hunger, an appetite for God's Word. And if you don't, if you don't have that, if you've never had that and you don't have it, no matter what you try to do, no matter uh, how much you pray for God to give that to you and you just don't have it and, and you just, you are fine with not having a desire for God's word, you're, you're fine not having a hunger for it and you think that's okay. Listen, in love I say this, you better check where you are with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you are a true believer, you will have, even if it's just a small one, you will have an innate desire and appetite for the Word of God. It, it has to be there. That's a mark of authentic Christianity, and it's a major one. Now, with that being said, um, I've, I've talked to a lot of different believers over the years through my ministry, a lot of different places, and a common excuse that I hear a lot of the times from people that I really do believe are genuinely in Christ, genuine believers, truly born again. And, and I hear this answer or maybe even an excuse as to why they don't continue to persevere in the Word of God, why they don't make it a priority, why it's not a really intentional part of their life. Um, and it's this, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. It's just too difficult for me to understand. I hear that a lot. You probably have too. Maybe you've used that. And I hear that, and I listen, and I, I try to, you know, to be understanding. Um, and one of the first questions I ask is, okay, but what, what version of the Bible do you have? What is the Bible, the translation that you're, you're trying to read um, in, your, in your time with God's Word as you go through it, in your quiet time, in your devotions, in your daily Bible reading? Tell me about that. What is it? And a lot of the times, um, you know, I'll hear, well, it's, it's the King James. Now, here's the thing. King James Version, it's fine. I have nothing against the King James Version of the Bible. 
If you are used to it, you're familiar with it, you can understand it without any problem. It's not difficult for you, you know, to read and you don't have, it's not like a a big weight that you have to, to try to lift off just to be able to understand what it's trying to say. Go for it. Fine. If that's what you're comfortable with, if that's what you're used to, if that's your preference, good. But if not, if you're having trouble understanding that kind of translation, there is absolutely nothing wrong at all with finding a translation that is more like how you talk and speak and, and how we most of us speak and talk. I mean, we don't use the same vernacular as the King James uh, English for the day in which it was written. But here's what we have to understand about the King James. It was a current, contemporary, modern translation for its day. And that was the whole purpose of it. The reason it came about was so that people would finally have God's Word not just in their language, but in their vernacular. And it was, I mean, that was the purpose. Uh, an everyday, for the people, translation. And since then, the same purpose and the same design has, has taken place. And God, God intends for that to happen. So don't, I, I tell people all the time, don't feel like just because it's the oldest that it is necessarily the best. Antiquity doesn't necessarily equal uh, you know, the best possible translation for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we do need to show some discretion, some level of discretion as we look at different translations and versions, and we need to consider uh, the style of translation and what were the original manuscripts that were used? Were they reliable? Were they authentic in the original language? Is that what the translation is based on? Good, reliable manuscripts in the original Hebrew and Greek? And if so, then chances are you've got a, you've got a good translation, whether that's NASB or New King James or ESV or, or CSB or NLT or NIV. I mean, take it. Do a little bit of research. If you, if you have some questions, ask me or someone else that you trust. Um, and and there's, there's help for you out there. But here's my point in all this. Don't be bogged down by a specific version of the Bible that you are having a difficulty understanding in just the way things are laid out and worded. Find a translation that you can easily read and comprehend because the whole point of having the Bible in your language is to understand it and comprehend it and apply it. And we get hung up a lot of times on on very fruitless, needless debate and division and argument and the enemy is sitting back there just going... Yep, I, there's so many Bible translations. Man, I don't even have to do a lot of work. They, they keep themselves busy and distracted by arguing about which, tra- which translation to use, and they never even open up one of them. And we do His work for Him. We keep ourselves out of the Word of God because we're so busy debating which one we should open. We never even open it, right? So that's my first thing that I, I talk about with people when I hear that. I just don't understand. Okay, let's, let's evaluate. What are you using as your resource but here's the other thing that I'm, I'm always careful to uh, talk about and to explain, and it's really what I want you to hear today. Um, to, the, to the statement, I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. I just can't seem to comprehend it. Here's the thing. If you are truly a believer in Christ, if you are genuinely a Christian, then I've got really good news for you. 
uh, about help that is totally available to you, um, a resource that goes beyond any human resources, concordances and reference material and commentaries. They're all great. They're good things. But every Christian has a source that far exceeds any of those that are far superior than any concordance or any commentary or any reference book. And here's what that is. It's found in John 16, 13 first, the first part of that verse That's what I want to to point you to first. Here's what the Word of God says. Jesus himself still speaking here. He says this, When the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit has come. This was Jesus talking to His disciples before He ascended back to heaven. The Spirit of truth came. And the same Spirit of truth that was promised to the disciples that came at Pentecost, that same Holy Spirit is what you and I receive the moment we commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. So the same Spirit of truth that will guide into all truth that was promised here, you have dwelling in you, believer. You have Him totally available to you. Here's what Psalm 119.18 says. Here's a request. This is a prayer from the psalmist to God, and it's a prayer that each of us can pray and should pray. This is a request that God is all too happy to grant to us. It was not limited to the psalmist who requested it. Look what the request is. You and I need to make this a constant prayer as we look into God's Word because it's a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual book authored by the divine Spirit of God. We are not, you know, spiritual naturally. We're finite. We're human. We're limited in all of our understanding. So this needs to be something we pray and request too. Here's what it says. Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction or from your word. Open my eyes, God. Give me understanding. Enlighten me, please, so that I can look in your word and contemplate and comprehend all the wondrous things you have for me to know and discover about yourself, about your will for me. Open my eyes. Spirit of truth, guide me into all the truth. See, here's the thing. Every genuine follower of Christ has that help available. That's because every genuine follower of Christ has the indwelling Spirit of God, the great illuminator of the Word of God. We have Him to shine His light on all the truths that we read. We've got the author of the book with us as our, our personal tutor to help us understand and apply what we read and, and then to give us a desire and a hunger for it. But it's up to us to actually open it up and dig into it. I mean, aren't there, aren't there times where you're reading a book, uh, particularly as a student in high school or college, but even beyond that, where you're reading a book and you just aren't getting it? And, and you just wish, wouldn't it be nice if you had the person who wrote this book right there beside you saying, here, let me help you understand what I meant here. Oh, does that, does that have you tripped up? Does that have you weighed down here? Let me clarify. Here's what I meant when I wrote that. Wouldn't that be great sometimes to have that as you're going through certain things and you're reading certain books and you're like, what is this guy talking about? And, it, and all of a sudden he was there, you know, 
well, what I was talking about was this. Let me break it down for you. Well, my friends, that's what you and I have constantly available to us as Christians. We have the divine author of every book, the one that superimposed his inspiration on all the human authors. We have him right inside of us, dwelling with us to guide us and direct us and to say, oh, is that that what's causing you trouble? Let me clarify that for you. We just have to ask. And then we have to listen. And maybe, just maybe, the problem is that we don't really believe we can hear from Him. Maybe that's why we don't ask. You know, God says in His Word, um, you don't have because you don't ask. And you don't have because you ask in the wrong way. When it comes to understanding the Word of God, a supernatural book and we are not supernatural, naturally, <laughs> we need some help. We need to ask. We need to be willing as we're digging into God's Word. Remember, we have to actually open it up or turn it on on our phone or our tablet, whatever, you know, that's fine too. But we have to actually make the, the, the initial step of doing that. We have to open it up and get into it. It's not going to happen for us doesn't just magically open up. We have to actually make that a priority. And as we do, and as we're digging in, as we find trouble understanding this great, awesome book, this very Word of God, we need to actually stop and say, please, Spirit of God, you who are the Spirit of truth, guide me right now personally. Guide me into all truth. Please, as, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes. I want to contemplate your wondrous truth. I want to understand. I want to apply. I want to do your will. I want to walk in your will. Will you please open my eyes? Help me, Spirit of God, Spirit of truth. And every time he will be faithful to do it. But we also have to be willing to listen to his instruction. Sometimes, you know, in daily life, uh, we can get so distracted with all the things that we have going on. Uh, We can get so busy with all our responsibilities that we even forget to stop and do something as basic and necessary as eating. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody identify with that? Where you're so busy, so wrapped up in your, in your, your stuff, and there's so much on your plate, you're just going from one thing to the next, this thing to this thing, this thing, and you, you just, you don't even stop to eat. And, and that's not good or healthy, right? But it's possible when that happens to not think about or even realize how hungry that you actually are. It's kind of like your, your hunger leaves. It takes a back seat and your mind turns off your hunger and, and you don't even think about it, right? Until we take a bite or two of something, of anything, and then our body says, whoa, that's, that's what I needed. I'm really, really hungry. And our appetite just kicks into overdrive, and then we just can't seem to get enough. Right? You've been there. It's, it's not a good thing to do. It's not a very good practice, but it happens all the time. Um, I mean, man, that's, that's like, that's the way I live. <laughs> it's just constant boom, 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 boom. And it's like, oh, wait, I haven't eaten. And I take a little bite, and it's like, oh, man, I'm starving. Well, that's kind of how it is. Once we really start to get intentional about getting into God's Word. If you as a believer um, have allowed yourself to get distracted uh, away from being intentional about getting into God's Word, and you're really a believer, what will happen if you start making that a priority 
you start making that a habit, you really get into God's Word, you're going to find, whoa, this is exactly what I needed. This is what I've been missing. This is what I've been craving. This is, this is what I need. And you're going to find this surge of desire and hunger, and you just won't be able to get enough. And you'll, your eyes will be opened, and it'll, it'll be new and fresh again for you. And I'm not in any way advocating that you, you put off being in God's Word in order for that to happen. That's not my point. My point is to give you encouragement, to give you hope. If you're sitting here and you've said, oh, you know, I agree with everything you're saying, Pastor, but it, it's been so long since I've been in God's Word regularly, habitually, I just don't even know where to start. Well, let me tell you where to start. Start. <laughs> Open it up and read. And you're going to find it's like when you've put off that hunger and all of a sudden you're eating and, whoa, wow, that's good, I need that. And God's going to honor that, and he's going to grow that desire and hunger in you. Um, Because the more we are in God's Word, the more we're in it, the more it's in us, the more we will hunger and desire for it, and it'll grow, and we will grow. Um, That's been recently uh, reminded to me of how true that is as I was on Facebook one day, and I saw saw Alan Robinson's post on Facebook uh, about his son Tyler. Tyler came home uh, after youth group, I think it was. Is that right? And he came home, and, and he was so excited about his quiet time book, his quiet time journal. And it's what he had, he had received in youth group from Pastor Scott. They have this challenge in youth group, in fusion, um, to, to have so many days in, uh, in quiet time. Right, Dan? Isn't that it? There so many days, and they're in it regularly. Forty? Okay. And so he was just so excited about it, but he wasn't, he didn't talk to Alan about the, the, the contest or the challenge or any of that. He said, this thing is awesome. I, I, just, I just love this. I, and he, that's the first thing he wanted to do was go into his room and get into his quiet time journal. Why? Because in it, it, it challenges the students to dig into God's Word. It lays it all out for them. It gives them things to think about and discuss. It gives them things to write down and journal. And they're just, man, they're in it. They're, they're being intentional about being in God's Word. And they see how amazing it is. And it lights a fire in them. And that's just so awesome to hear that. I, that was encouraging to me, Tyler. It really was. And you, you keep at it, buddy, okay? You keep going. Um, there, there's just more to come. Uh, you're just getting started. And that's how it should be with all of us. Uh, once we dig in, we should see, man, this is exactly what I needed. This is everything that I need. And that's what should be true of you if you are truly in Christ. As one that has received a new heart and a new life through Him, uh, a hunger and a desire for His Word, it's a mark of, of authentic Christianity. And once we get into that and we, we start seeing it that way, we're going to be able to experience it the way the author of Psalm 119, which is most likely David, did. Look at what he says in Psalm 119, 47. I delight in your commands. In other words, it brings me joy. I, I find fulfillment. I find satisfaction in your commands or word, which I love. Remember, loving God equals loving the word of God. Psalm 119, 103, he says this, how sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. In other words, there's nothing that compares to the richness of your word, oh God. There's all these other things that I can go after and chase after, but they'll all leave me empty compared to what I find in your word. Nothing satisfies me like your word. It's sweeter than anything else. May that be true of us. May that be true of us. And then in Psalm 119, 105, he says this, Your word is a lamp 
for my feet. That's our immediate present steps right where we're walking. It's, it's shining light around what's around us as we walk. Just think of in your home at night when your kid needs a drink of water or something and you're, you're trying to navigate the floor and there's Legos or toys and they're like minefields that you're walking through. You know, and, and all you need is just one little light to shine. You can hopefully navigate around those treacherous toys. Right? That's what the Word of God is in being a lamp for my feet. It's right where we're walking. It shows us things to avoid, pitfalls to avoid, and, and to keep our steps in line where they need to go. And then he says this, it's not just a lamp for my feet, it's a light on my path. And that's, that's what's ahead. That's what's up ahead. It shines a light to help us know that we're going the right way and to keep us on the right path. That, that means... The Word of God is the light we need, our life light. You know, we, we know about night lights that help us with, with uh, navigating the darkness. The Word of God, believer, is our life light. It shines the light on, on all that we experience and all that we go through and every situation we find ourselves in. It's everything we need for all of life. There is nothing like the Word of God. And a love for it equals the love for the God of the Word. And you can't really love God without loving His Word. Is that true of you today? Is that what defines you? Is that a mark that's in your life as a mark of authentic Christianity? That's the question that we all have to evaluate. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it, the relevance of it, the power of it. I thank you that it is a light for our feet and a light on our path. I thank you that it is the great life light that you've given us. I thank you that it is your, your character on display. It is your nature on display. By looking into your word, we see you. We hear from you. Your word is God-breathed, it says, just as you breathed life into Adam and made him a living being, you breathed your, your essence into your word. So it's living and active and powerful and everything we need. Father, I hope that we all here agree with what your son himself said, that if you love me, you will keep or obey or honor or cherish, love my word. And anybody who doesn't love me won't keep or love my word. I hope we'll agree with that, and I hope we'll find ourselves, each of us, as people who love your word and thereby love you. But Father, if there is anyone here that that's not true of, if there's anybody here that has convinced themselves or others that they are truly a Christian, but they've never had a desire for your word, a love for it, any interest in being in it, Father, I pray that your Spirit would convict them of that right now. And they, they would realize, no, there's something missing. Because if I'm truly in Christ, I'm going to love His Word. And may today be the day where they address that and receive a new heart and a new life that enables them then and empowers them to love your Word and to really love you. Do your work in us as you know it needs to be done, I pray. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.